Hi, thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're talking about the cosmic and experimental found footage horror film, The Outwaters. Say that ten times fast. Cosmic? If you have not seen it, it's now streaming on Screenbox. We highly recommend it. Uh, we have the writer, director, and lead actor, Robbie Banfitch, here with us today, and he's going to spill his guts to us in an exclusive interview. I always say that, but there's actually a pun in there if you've seen The Outwaters. All that and more today on High on Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. Found footage is about as divisive as a subgenre can be. You either love it or you hate it. Am I right, John? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, There's I'm hardly any in-betweens, right? There's hardly any in-betweens. Um, I typically, myself, I don't like found footage films. I think I might have said this before on the podcast. I mean, I'm sure we're repeating shit at this point, but uh, I prefer mockumentary shit, like uh, mockumentary, like Ty West's The Sacrament or like Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, oh, which I'm just gonna cut you off. Which yeah. one of those two? If you can only pick one, uh, I mean, I think Leslie Vernon's the most rewatchable because it's funny. But yeah, The Sacrament's definitely a better movie. <laughs> definitely a better movie. See, I feel like I would just pick based on rewatchability. I'd probably yeah. pick Behind the Mask. I know I would. I'd pick Behind the Mask, but I'd be like, I'd love to get <sighs> Leslie Vernon. Kind of hurt but, to get rid of the Sacrament, you know? Um, but that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, I just can't believe you know in movies where someone just wants to record like every second of their lives that usually just takes me out of found footage movies because it's obvious that they're just trying to make a movie um and it doesn't seem genuine and then you know the the shaky shit starts and then you start getting pixelations and shit you know and uh yeah, yeah so how do you feel about found footage films i don't like them move on like <laughs> like no like <laughs> No, as a whole, like you just like as a whole, like don't like the sub, don't like it. Like I'm like, not really a fan. Yeah, there's, there's a couple films I like, but as a, as a whole, for found footage, not really a big fan. Okay, is there any like like none of it? I don't know because it's always like supernatural shit. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I feel like maybe just like I don't like what about the VHS movies? The VHS movies are technically found footage movies. Uh, you like some of those, right? Yeah, I guess they are. That's fair. Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> holocaust <laughs> no cannibal holocaust i mean that's found footage i think you like that one right uh, is that found footage or is that mockumentary yeah. fair enough i guess it's fair. kind uh, of both it's kind of both found footage found of a footage. mockumentary of yeah. a documentary rather yeah yeah, yeah wow it's pretty <laughs> yeah because i said that i was like well i guess they still did find the footage both. yeah yeah but um but yeah, so like, so but I guess there's like. isn't all the shaky shit because it's supposed to be more professionally done. Right, 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 yeah. But like, yeah, like most of it's usually, it's always like, yeah, like something supernatural or it's never just like found footage that like somebody was recorded shipping and they're just being chased by like a like a slasher yeah yeah and, and I, I will say that uh truth is that you know while i do uh have a, i do tolerate some um you know it's uh most of the time i do walk away completely disappointed like in found footage movies like like most of the time i walk away going yeah that was a fucking waste of time yeah most times yeah well you know well Bar our Witch. movie today the outwaters has been said to be the biggest and most explosive entry in the found footage genre being unlike anything you've ever seen before killer horror critic said quote maybe the closest you can come to the feeling 
to feeling the sensation of death through a movie, end quote. And uh, that's some big words, and uh, we're going to talk about it in a bit. But first, let's on let's move on to Strainwreck. Uh, I could use a smoke. Could you? Yeah. Today we got some sugar cane. I don't know. I feel like we've smoked this before. Um, if we have, I mean, fuck it. You're just going to get re-educated. Uh, if not, now you're just going to get educated. Sugarcane is a hybrid weed strain made from the genetic cross between platinum and slurricane. And I say that because slurricane sounds familiar. That's why I feel like we've talked about this. But it's uh, 20% THC. It's an ideal choice for both beginners and experienced cannabis consumers. Leafly consumers, or I'm sorry, consumers, customers tell us sugarcane's effects include focused, energetic, and uplifted. Medical marijuana patients often choose sugarcane when dealing with symptoms associated with anxiety, depression, and stress. It's bred by In-House Genetics, which is uh, my vape. The oh, no shit. Let's uh, of which, let me hit that. Yeah, that's... Uh, What's that, bubblegum, John? No, nah, it's not the bubblegum. I feel like I'm wrong. I want to say something guava, but that doesn't sound right. Bat shit? Bat shit. It's guano. Yeah. <sighs> But, uh, yeah, those, those ones are made from in-house as well. Uh, sugarcane features flavors like grape, sweet, and floral. That, it's weird because it's a hybrid, but right. if you look at it, it's very purple. It is. It has a lot of purple in it, which I guess is where people get the grape tape. Uh, tastes like grape. I thought it said sweat, and I'm like, how's that appealing? It says sweet and floral. I misread that as sweat. That'd be disgusting. Yeah, what's the Yo, I got that loud. Yeah, what's it taste like? Sweat? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> tastes like John, John, John Cena's armband. But then people start trying to break it off and start saying it's other shit. Yo, I got that booty sweat. <laughs> Yo, I, I got, got that, that booty juice. I got that armpit sweat. Ten oh. <laughs> that's like the little, like, that's dirt weed. of like the booty juice weeds. It was like, if you have armpit, nah, just move on. The dominant repeat of this strain is Mycerin. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it said that Leafly would like you to leave reviews. It says if you smoke, dabbed, or consume sugarcane, tell us about your experiences. Maybe, maybe we'll have to leave them one. Just let them know that. Uh, let, them know. let them know that uh, you had dry mouth. Uh, that's not a symptom. No. Anxious, paranoid, and dizzy, but not dry mouth. No shit. All right. Well, while you uh. Why I, I guess. somehow turn off my computer and shut off my notes. <laughs> I was going to bring up, um, you know, while you hit that, while you take a hit of that, um, fucking Killer Sofa is now on Screenbox. <laughs> and uh, it's not a newer movie, but I fucking just saw it. I had to watch it this morning. It's on Screenbox? See, I, when you tell me that, the first name that pops in my head is Full Moon. <laughs> you'd think you'd think that sounds like a full moon you, you said that and right. i was like oh full moon and then you were like screen box i'm like what 100 percent, you're right and and the funny thing is like uh it, it, like like i said it's on screen box so I, I definitely think you should check it out it's one we should probably watch together anybody who's listening if you just it's one of those ones where you know what you're getting into it's ridiculous if you're going in to have a good time you want to watch a shitty horror movie that doesn't take itself seriously I definitely recommend it, but the funniest shit to me about it is that uh, it's not even a fucking sofa, it's a lazy boy. The movie's called Killer Couch, and it's just a lazy boy that basically falls in love with this with the owner's girlfriend and every time she like sits in it has like erotic dreams and shit, but then when she's not in it, it's trying to eat people and shit. It's Oh, utterly I've heard, I've heard fucking about that. ridiculous. Isn't Idris Elba in that movie? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Christian Bale plays a fucking plays <laughs> a lazy Bale's boy. The couch. Yeah, he's a lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, you had something you wanted to bring up as well, right? Didn't you want to talk Tommy about something? Tommy Wiseau. Oh, your boy. Yeah, if you've seen The Room, Drew, I had you watch The Room. Yes. Uh, I'm so mad I lost that DVD. Cause, uh, or Blu-ray, because Tommy does not sell that on sale. He knows what he's got. It's the only really valuable thing he's got. I mean, he hawks a bunch of other stuff. But he's got the room, and he doesn't license that to streaming or anything. You have to pay $30 for his Blu-ray with, like, no special features on it. <laughs> I mean, I fucking paid it. And the cover is just his face. Yeah, it's just his face over the city of San Francisco. <laughs> but uh, Josh and I had saw Best Friends when uh, Greg Sestero, the, oh, hi, Greg. Yeah. Or, oh, hi, Mark. I got you, yeah. Uh, yeah, he he felt bad about how people were kind of treating Tommy, mm. which is I'm confused because Best Friends is very much like The Room, where it's, but now it's more like intentional that it's supposed to be bad. Okay. Which I don't know what the point was that people made fun of Tommy for that movie, so I'm going to make a movie that's also bad on purpose to like redeem Tommy. Yeah. But uh, he has a horror movie coming out, Big Shark. He went real in depth with that title. Oh, so that's what all the build-up was for? was yeah, Big Shark? Got, okay, so I'm assuming it's a horror movie or an action yeah. movie of some sort, Oh, dude, sort, you right? got to see the trailer. It's I so didn't bad. Wa- I didn't watch the trailer. Dude, it's like somebody said, how the hell did you make a 3D shark without me having to put on glasses? It's fucking weird. <laughs> the shark just completely doesn't go in the frame. <laughs> like in the trailer. It's just like, you can tell it's two different things like meshed together. Oh, my God. I'll have to show is you he, the Is tra- he like, in the movie? Does he no, star in the movie? No, I don't think he's in the movie at all. It just oh, seems shit. like he's directing it. But. Oh, he directed? Oh, jeez. He directed? Okay. I mean, I, I sent him an email. I'd love to get Tommy on the show. I got questions that I don't think I'll ever get straight answers to because I know people have asked him before. I just want to know where he's really from because he claims he's from Louisiana. No. A lot of people think he's from Poland. And he funded the movie, The Room, $2 million. Nobody knows where this dude got his money. That's, yeah, well, knowing where his money came from, that's the. That's the one that gets me. Maybe it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The mobs funded it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get on into uh, horror history, man. Horror, yes. This week in horror history. All right. Time for horror hiss. Uh, a movie we've mentioned God knows how many times on here. Um, outside of like Halloween and slashers, I think this is probably one of our most mentioned movies. Shaun of the Dead from 2004. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. He was supposed to do it with me. He listens out there. He was supposed to do that with me. I can't do it. But I can't. I love Shaun of the Dead, man. I love it. I'll just fuck it up. You could have been the zombie and just been like. I think the zombie is what makes that scene. Yeah, it does for sure. But uh, dude, we've talked about this movie God knows how many times. Yeah, you just mentioned uh, before we recorded recorded that uh, we even mentioned it on our uh, horror comedy episode. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. This movie, that movie is like a ten out of ten, man. Yeah, hopefully they don't ever try to remake that one. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. (laughs) Next up, it's Garbage Day. There you go, Pluggy Movie, Deadly Night Part Two. Pluggy Movie. You hate it, I know. 1987 oh Sha- Shaun of the dead was 2004 2004 damn and then we got we got 20 th- years old jesus christ almost wow 19 oh my god can almost drink <laughs> uh sleepwalkers 92 
Yeah, man, I'm reserving what I have to say uh, for this one in hopes that we cover it as an episode in the future. But uh, it's, it's, I posted on Instagram about this earlier this week, man. It's an absolute underrated classic. Do you or your fiance Nicole um, like this movie? Um, it's. I feel like it's one Nicole would like. Yeah, I think she would too. But it's been years since I've seen it. I really don't remember it well. The most fucked up thing about it is like I tried to talk to Mick Garris about this when I met him. Um, in the beginning of the movie, like it's a Ron Perlman plays one of the cops, and he kind of goes into uh, the the cops investigate like a murder basically in like the opening credits of the movie, or in the opening scene of the movie rather. And um, there's, like, all these cats that are, like, hanging from trees, like, from, like, nooses and shit that were, like, hung. And they were all, like, real cats. Like, he said it during the commentary. Mick Garris confirmed. He said that they were real cats that, like, basically people found as, like, roadkill and shit and, like, brought to set and, like, strung them up in the tree. And I was like, that is not how it would fucking go nowadays at all. And I tried to ask him about it. He uh, he was very, very polite, but he uh, quickly moved past that question and talked to me about other things. (laughs) And he did not want to mention the cat thing. Fair enough. And uh, moving on here, we have uh, The Howling from 1981. Where does the Howling rank for you in your all-time favorite werewolf list? Um, it's top five for me, but I, I, unlike a lot of people, I like Silver Bullet more. And apparently, that's sacrilegious, but oh well. I like Silver Bullet a lot. Um, what, what about Teen Wolf for best werewolf movie? <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I love that movie. It, I like it too, but it's not the best. <laughs> I mean, number one's got to be the from the Murderer, right? Yeah, America, Werewolf in London. Right. I'd probably go Silver Bullet dog soldiers is a good one. Oh yeah i've only watched that the one time you showed me <laughs> yeah you loved it yeah, yeah that shit was awesome that, that shit was good yeah for real i mean yeah i guess it'd be top five yeah for sure i don't know why people hate silver bullet so much i watched the shit out of that as i don't movie. dude i don't get it like i yeah i don't i let, I let one of my friends borrow it and he was like dude i thought this movie was gonna suck based on like what everybody thinks about it and he's like but i think it's like my favorite werewolf movie now i'm like I mean, it's fucking good it's yeah. good gary Busey, like you know before he went fucking looney tunes it's uh yeah I, I can't tell you how many saturday afternoons there wasn't many horror movies in my house that were like family horror mo- like right 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 ones that we all liked yeah we all liked like uh, sil- uh silver bullet in my house like so i can't tell you how many times like on a saturday afternoon as a kid at like 12 one o'clock like after the cartoons end and they throw movies on like like we only had like not 900 cable channels <laughs> it all like that that one would always pop up and anytime it was on like we'd end up watching it yeah it's it's like a lot of stephen king movies were what you know like this and pet cemetery a lot of shit this this went around a lot when i was younger um but uh no i yeah i, I always really liked silver bullet and dude i'm sorry but like i said about gary Busey, everybody needs an uncle red like drunk or uh being he rather he was a drunker or drunkard or not it doesn't fucking matter um he was a fucking cool uncle to marty man for real right. like, hooking him up like with fireworks and shit like he was a cool dude right it's always it's always awesome to be the fun uncle yeah right <laughs> uh up next 1953 we got house of wax that's one of vincent price's best movies man <coughs> uh, i thought he was uh best in house on haunted hill the one from the 90s <sighs> A fucking Vincent Price wannabe looking dude. You got me choked. <laughs> That's what she said. 
Jesus. <laughs> yeah, House of Wax is a good one. Um, I still have not watched it. I'm sure people are like, what the fuck? But House of Wax from 2005. Oh, what, you haven't watched the original or the remake? No, the remake. Oh, okay. Dude, it's good, man. But it's I, I said this before. It's, a, it's not really a House of Wax remake. It's a fucking Tourist Trap remake. Tourist Trap? Yeah. 1986. I didn't see this till probably about 10 years ago. The Toxic Avenger. Yeah, man, that's a classic. I haven't seen it in about 10 it's years. It's so ridiculous. But, uh, All the really trauma is. movies are so ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't. I can't disagree with that. They really are, but they're very enjoyable. I mean, they're, I know uh, Joe Bob lo- loves trauma movies, but man, like, <coughs> tra- it's not Chucky. I can't just watch it over and over. Like, I watch a trauma movie and I'm good for like a year or two yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or more if I'm I mean, watching that again. Truthfully, watching a trauma movie is like watching like Full Moon at its absolute worst. Yeah. I don't mean to be crude. I mean, I'll still watch it. <laughs> I'll still watch it. But I'm just saying, like, like the yeah, trauma's like uh, trauma's like the crippled version of Full Moon. That's kind of harsh to say it that way. But again, uh, anyway, moving on. 1986. I love this movie. I had Nicole watch it. Nicole was like, "This movie is fucking stupid." We're talking about Critters. <laughs> I fucking love Critters, man. I watched that when I was a kid. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Nicole got s- this fucking spaceship when they just blow shit up. She's like, what the hell? Man, I love Critters as well. Yeah, I grew up with the That was one of those VHS era movies for me. Um, but uh, Critters 2 was the best for me, man. Was when Critters they, 2... I'm that's bad, the one that takes place on Easter. <laughs> I always forget. Is that the one that they're in a church? Yes. Okay. And, and the, uh, the blonde chick with the big boobs and the Freddy yeah. Krueger thing that I got watched, cut out. I probably yeah. watched that more as a kid than I did the original one. Yeah. My, my, my dad used to watch Critters. That's who I used to watch that with. And a movie I've never seen that you're still trying to get me to see, but out of uh, boycotts. <laughs> I haven't seen House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003. Yeah, I just can't believe that that movie is, about, is like 20 years old, man. I feel fucking old for real. And then uh, moving on here, we have what uh, <coughs> most people probably consider uh, the best the one, third best Friday the Thirteenth, the best one after six and two. Uh, and I'm talking about the final chapter, Friday Thirteenth Part Four, 1984. Uh, best one, yeah, my favorite yeah, one, sure. the best one. Um, yep, and uh, Knowledge and Douglas was the first movie in the. Uh, I'm just popping this up. This isn't even on my script. This is the first movie in which uh, Pamela Anderson's full, full name is given. When you see the tombstone, it says Pamela Anderson up until that Me point. Voorhees? Pamela Anderson. <laughs> 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 Thank you for catching that. I was <laughs> like, bro, you had me so stunned. I thought I was learning something at first. <laughs> Listen, no, for real. <laughs> You said Pamela Anderson. I was like, dude, I wish you could have seen my face because I was fucking confused. And I'm like, Pamela Anderson was in part four. When the fuck did I miss that? And then I went, oh, he means Voorhees. And then the second time you said it, I'm like, oh, he'll correct himself on this one. I said it twice. I said it twice. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god! Because you so said sorry. it's the first one in which uh, first movie which Pamela Anderson's full name she used. It's on the oh tombstone. You said, and then you've read the name again and said Anderson. Oh, that's that shit I, got me, dude. I, sh- I was fucked up for a minute. That's why because I'm so high. Listen, that's why I should never go off script, right? No, but um, but <laughs> that, said, I don't even have this in the script here, and then called her Pamela Anderson. <laughs> anyway friday the 13th part four the final chapter is the first time you see pamela Voorhees' first name up until that point she's just mrs Voorhees, and then in in the fourth film you see her tombstone with her first name that is the first time that you are like anybody knows her name or her and she was given a first name so there we go there you go all your information about pamela anderson (laughs) (laughs) uh uh ginger snaps unleashed from 2004 i've not seen the sequel Ooh. i actually didn't it's all about werewolf movies yeah um i saw the original one for the first time when joe bob showed it last year and you liked it right yeah i liked it yeah I th- well to me this is a great sequel and i liked it more than the original um i would prefer this before the howling as well again howling's still in my top five but yeah, now, really now, like. now, now you're talking me out of possibly finding a way to get people real mad and push the howling out of my top five werewolf <laughs> movies. Uh, American Psycho from 2000. Again, wow, 23 years for this one. Christian Bale's best role, man, besides Batman. This role, it, it has his face on it. You know, he was amazing in that movie and uh, fucking hysterical performance. Huh, best, what's Christian Bale's best performance? Besides the Dark Knight, that Patrick Bateman's a good one. <laughs> I would say the Machinist too. I forget his character's name in that. I'm going to watch that one. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about uh da, 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 from the Prestige. No, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I can't remember. His I haven't name. seen that in fucking forever. Yeah, <clears throat> but that's that's a movie. I think Hugh it's Jackman underrated. and Christian Bale. Sign me up, man. And Christopher Nolan and Michael Caine, sign me up. Michael Caine. <coughs> uh, a Scream movie, part four, 2011. Uh, Scream part four, okay. Yeah, that's to me, that's the best one besides the original, but I said all that in our Scream episodes. That was, uh, God, why can't I think of her name now? Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. What's her character's name? Oh, fuck, you're going to put me on the spot like that? Yeah, because I um, put myself on the spot again. It's not Ripley. It's Ripley. Not, it's not Ripley. Believe it or not, it's, it's not, not Ripley. <laughs> uh, Kirby. Kirby. Fucker. Kirby. I kept wanting to call her Ruby. Kirby. Yeah. In between four and, and six is Google, when Kirby bitch. got swollen. People thought that she could be the killer. <laughs> uh, and the best one besides the original, sure. I have whatever you want to say. I don't give a shit. I don't like any. <laughs> so and besides like, the first one, right? You st- are you a fan? You're a fan of the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I love okay, the first one. Okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. I, I said, you know, we talked said, about this. I just you forgot. Said, you said the best one after the original. Sure, I don't give a shit. Pick whatever one you want. They're all terrible to me. I guess if I had to pick one, I think they just progressively get worse. <laughs> I just go in the order they were made. Uh, oh, we got some birthdays. We got uh, William Sadler and the Pearl Man, Ron Perlman. On four thirteen. Oh shit! Okay, William Sadler. You know he's a classic man. Fucking death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Amphi Michael uh, Hall. Everything. Also got a birthday coming up. Amphi <laughs> Amphi Michael Hall, Anthony Michael Hall, and Sarah Michelle Geller on the fourteenth. So the oh, day wow. after. 
Buffy and uh, Farmer Ted. That's what's up. Yeah. Fucking Buffy. That was a nice horror history. Yeah. So uh, I guess that means it's time for some PPA. Puff Puff Ask. Right, Puff Puff Ask is the segment of our show where we read off messages that you listeners write into us on social media at High on Horror 420 and through email at High on Horror 420 at gmail.com and through our website, High on Horror.com. Uh, we're going to read off some emails today and I'll start. This one is from Stephanie Blue. She says, I love the show. I drink my coffee to it every week. That's a, we always hear that. People saying they drink their coffee and listen. I like that. Um, but it says, uh, keep up the great work. What do you think is the better plot twist? The first Saw movie or The Sixth Sense? Uh, I'm going with Saw. John? I Like I've said before, I've had The Sixth Sense ruined to me by my asshole friend when I was a kid. That's bullshit. But... I'm... See, and then objectively, I want to say Bruce Willis, but both of those, I'm just like, you never saw it coming. Bro, I remember seeing, I saw Saul skipping in high school with Josh and Kenny and a couple of our other friends. And I just remember, like, at least Josh, Kenny, and I, when fucking Toba Bell gets up off the floor, just went, oh, fuck. Yeah, right. Like, it's so fucking weird because you figure, like, Normally, you watch a horror movie, you're like, oh, something's going to happen with that guy. But they literally just let it go the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And you just think he's like, like, it's one of those things that you're like, I should have seen that coming. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I, man, I don't know. They're both so good. I, Bro, I got to be straight with you. This fucking weed is good. I forgot we were recording. I'm chilling sure <laughs> just, just talking to you, like straight movie talking to you. And I'm like, wait, there's microphones in front of us and shit. <laughs> like, hold on a second. This is some, some good shit we're getting right here. But... Oh, man, I'm gonna have to go Saul. I think, yeah, I'm going Saul. Yeah, same with me. See, it took me a second. Now I'm back in the moment. Just for a second, I was, I was, man, I'm, whew. That's that, that's that sugar cane. <laughs> sugar cane, take away the pain. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Michaela. Uh, I like that way that's spelled. Michaela. Yeah, M A K A Y L A. I like that. She wants to know. What is your favorite car chase scene in a horror film? I don't know if it's the best, but when you say that, the first thing that pops in my mind is Death Proof. Oh, that's good. I think of Phantasm and obviously Christine. Christine's a good one. Yeah, but yeah, Death Proof, that was good. Throw some tar- name dropping Tarantino, okay. Okay, okay. I mean, I was thinking more because of the legend himself, Kurt Russell. There you go. Fair enough. They actually made that. This totally unrelated. But, uh, and I, I got it for free in the game. They made the Duke of Death in Grand Theft Auto. So you literally have the black car with like the shades no and everything. Shit. You, yeah. Oh my God, that's awesome. But, uh, Dude, that's badass. I had no yeah, idea. Christine's a good one. Maximum Overdrive is another one when I think oh, of yeah. Chase. I'm sure that's a lot of people's favorites. Um, yeah, that was a pretty quick uh, PPA. Yeah. Yeah, some pretty simple questions. I mean, it's, uh, I'm just trying to dig through and find the most fun ones for now. But, um, yeah, um, uh, let's uh, quit shooting the shit, I guess, and head into Go our into review. Go into them Outwaters. Yeah, let's get into the review of the Outwaters. <laughs> All right, getting into our movie here, The Outwaters. It's a 2022, uh, as we've said, found footage horror film. Uh, the movie's written, directed, and stars today's guest, Robbie Banfitch. 
Uh, the film is presented as a found footage from memory cards that belong to a group of friends who went to the Mojave Desert to shoot a music video. Throughout their expedition, the group experiences strange and menacing occurrences. Uh, the movie actually starts with a panicked 911 call accompanied by visuals indicating that the four main cast members, Robbie Zagarick, played by Robbie Banfitch, Angela Bacuzzi, played by Angela Basilis, Scott, Zer Scott Zagarak, played by Scott Schimmel, and Michelle August, played by Michelle May, are missing. Uh, the title card explains that the subsequent footage was recovered from three memory cards found in the desert. And uh, Robbie's an aspiring filmmaker living in Los Angeles. He's recruited his brother Scott and his friend Angela to help film the music video for his friend Michelle August in the Mojave Desert. While getting together through... I'm sorry, while getting ready for the expedition, he celebrates his brother's birthday and he surprises his mother, Leslie, played by Leslie Ann Banfitch, back home. Uh, he parties with Angela and talks to Michelle about her recently deceased mother. Uh, found footage, uh, I'm sorry, the footage filmed from Robbie's apartment of two separate earthquakes is also shown. Those fucking earthquakes are serious, too. Very serious earthquakes. I mean, we've... We, we we were through that one serious earthquake back in like what 2012 <laughs> you remember that yeah yeah it was it was not serious it was i think most of the east coast was impacted by it, it was weird i just remember i was laying on the couch and i could see stuff start like swaying and i'm swaying first thing i thought like i've never had one so i don't yeah. know why i was like am i having a seizure <laughs> like this shit fucked with me <laughs> but yeah that was a uh, yeah it was crazy uh, t t the four friends uh, pack their equipment and begin their journey, uh, spending the first night at a small lake. Uh, they continue deeper into the desert. The next day, they encounter a pack of donkeys blocking the road. Uh, they arrive at their final location, a small hillside area near a dried-up lake bed, and begin setting up camp. At uh, night, the four are awakened by booming sounds and frantic animal noises that appear to be getting closer. Scott and Robbie leave their tent to investigate but find no clues. Uh, Robbie continues by himself and sees a strobing light along the hillside path. Uh, yeah, I would not have been opening up that tent. No, I wouldn't have. Dude, the, like I said, the, the light, the, the, the earthquakes were big, but the thunder, like the, the, the fucking thunder in this movie, it sounded like it does not sound natural. Like that, the thunder would have scared me. I would have thought this, something's happening. Like this is some kind of nasty storm. Like I, I would have freaked out straight up. I, I like storms, but that thunder, when I heard it in the movie, I thought, oh, that is nasty. Like that's, <laughs> that's no good. That's <laughs> no good. I think of his Cleveland. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they continue deeper into the desert the next day and encounter a pack of donkeys. Or, I already talked about that. Jesus Christ. You are right. This fucking weed, man. Uh, the next day, the crew discusses the uncanny events of the previous evening and begin filming the video. Uh, during a break, Robbie and Michelle investigate the area where they saw a light and record high-pitched noises coming from a nearby hole, sensing something unusual beneath the earth. Yo, that shit, like, oh my god, I felt like my ears were attacked through this whole movie, man. Like, <laughs> I just felt, like, it just, ah, uh, I just felt on edge all time. Like, yeah. dude, that sound from that, that sound from that hole was fucking crazy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Robbie remarks that his camera battery has not gone down the entire time they've been there. And uh, later, Robbie sees an axe at the top of a nearby hill. I would have grabbed that shit. I'm not just leaving an axe I know, out I of the open. I thought that too. I might need this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tool we'll use for later. 
the crew head to the lake bed to finish filming the video and the sound is overtaken by noises similar to the ones heard earlier in the hole. At night, the uh, crew once again hears the booms and animal sounds. Robbie wanders off and sees a naked man on a hill wielding the axe. That shit was creepy as fuck. Yeah, that when you first see it, you're like, whoa, because it's like, kind of he like, pay, like he sees, oh, he sees, it, the sees it in passing. And then yeah. he's like, wait, goes, man, it kind of double takes, and you see it, the silhouette standing, and you go, oh, that's no good. And then, yeah, it just runs up, and the sound effects, you're like, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, the, the naked guy hits a naked dude on a hill. Uh, as he runs away, the man attacks Robbie off screen, giving him a head injury. He returns to the camp, bloody and disoriented, and finds Scott asleep, but the women are all frantic. When he, sh- when he shows back up in the tent and he's trying to, you know, wake his buddy up, I was like, oh man, he is fucked up. You know, like he was like, you could tell Robbie was fucked up. You could tell that you could hear the blood dripping. He leaking. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Leaking and squeaking, dog. Uh, the camera cuts to Robbie running through the desert as the two girls scream and plead for their lives. Uh, he encounters Scott and Angela both soaked in blood. Robbie escapes and takes shelter in a small ravine until morning. I don't know that I would have been able to sleep like he did. Yeah, but, right. I mean, I guess you did take a pretty serious head injury, so <laughs> that might have helped with it. Uh, he exits uh, naked and disoriented and starts wandering the desert aimlessly. Uh, he finds that the area is now infested with screaming, fleshy, worm-like creatures. Yeah, those I things know- creep me the fuck out, man. They're loud, too. They come at you like, Wee! What the fuck? <laughs> sounded like some shit from Deliverance. <laughs> uh, I know it's not the same, but for some reason, they kind of reminded me of Tremors. Really? That's interesting. I don't know why. I guess maybe just like the worm-like thing in the desert but like they don't operate really at all the same way but right right i don't know why i just got uh tremor vibes from it you know well like well to me they kind of look like umbilical cords yeah you know because like there's like the this thing throughout the whole movie where like robbie keeps seeing this like this like light in the sky and it like turns more and more into like a slit and to me, I'm like, is this, I, there's some sort of vaginal, like, I, I, yeah, I, I said that to you. Yeah, there's some sort of vaginal, like, referencing or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, symbolism. Uh, symbolism. There we go, like, here. And, and I, I feel that these things are, are umbilical cords. I could be wrong, but you got to remember that this whole thing's taking place from Robbie, who is, like you said, has some sort, he, he definitely has, I'm not going to say his brain damage, but he is fucked up. And so the, Part of the reason, as we'll learn, that things might not tie up so neatly is because, you know, you have to remember, we're seeing the movie through the eyes of someone who just got whacked in the fucking head with a hatchet. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, that night he returns to the campsite to find the two tents covered in viscera and sees what appears to be Michelle's body. After a number of close calls with his assailant, Robbie is transported to a pool of red water by the light. Uh, he's taken back to the desert, vomits blood, and removes an unknown substance from his foot. Oh, yeah, that part dude, was nasty. Dude, some of those scenes towards the end, oh, they were hard to get through. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, he encounters the pack of donkeys and then sees a mirage of himself and his three friends in the past walking through the desert. He sees a blood-soaked Michelle running across... At the lake bed and chases her he encounters a bloody scott and angela acted normally at the campsite exiting the tent he finds himself at his mother leslie's house and then on the wing of a plane where he sees scott through the window 
Upon returning to the desert in complete darkness, Robbie comes face to face with a large monster. The creature seems to be communicating with other similar beings in the distance. Uh, Robbie manages to escape and reunites with Angela at the campsite. However, they're soon attacked by the flesh-eating worms. The red water reappears and takes Robbie away. Uh, the camera speeds through a series of white lights and then returns to the desert. Robbie discovers a gas mask and a sign indicating that he has entered a restricted government area. Uh, he confronts his attacker, who looks identical to him. The next day, Robbie discovers the decapitated head of his three friends impaled on stakes. That part fucked me up. I did yeah. not expect that. Yeah. It, like, you, I heard the flies buzzing. So I was like, oh, I know this ain't good, but I didn't like, because like the whole movie, you're waiting for an explanation. And then you just hit with like, bam, heads on, heads on poles. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> he finds a uh, large uh, shark's tooth on the ground, which he uses to castrate himself and disembowel, disembowel himself. Uh, the film ends with a shot of Robbie fatally wounded, reaching towards the sky. Why do uh, why did he feel the need to castrate himself and gut himself? Um, we yeah. don't know. We don't know. A lot of shit. It gets crazy, real crazy. When you the end. when you watch this movie, just know you're not expected to understand it completely. So if you can, if you can, you know, take that, then you should be okay. But if you're one of those people that needs everything spoon-fed to you, you're going to walk away a little frustrated. I think that's happened with some people who have seen this, but uh, I'll get to my rating shortly. Anyway, what's your rating, John? I, uh, I'm not a huge fan, like I said earlier, the fan footage mm -hmm. genre, sub-genre, I guess. Uh, with that said, I like this compared to many other fan footage films. Uh, to me, it's miles ahead of Blair Witch Project. I never, yeah. I never got into the hype of Blair Witch uh at least for me it is i'm sure there's people that still love that movie and would still consider it the best found footage but sure not for me but you enjoy it if you like it cool uh <laughs> there's some really creepy images in this film like i said especially like the naked dude with his dick out just <laughs> holding an axe yeah <laughs> what, what 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 you gonna do when a dude comes running running at you with his dick swanging and got an axe in his hand like, running <laughs> i'm fucking running man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe robbie should have ran more <laughs> um being lost in the desert sounds fucking terrible to my fat ass like <laughs> i dude like i hate I, I start disliking it when it gets like 75 around here i'm uh, i'm in my house it's like 30 degrees outside i got the window and the fan open like listen listen if you're in the shit's if, chafing and stuff man if, like if, fuck if, the desert. if you were in this movie no if you were in the outwaters the movie would have ended at about an hour long. The hatchet man would have started fucking killing off the friends, and you would have been Robbie when he was in the bushes, like, hearing the noises. That would have been it for you. You would have never moved from the bush. <laughs> That's it. That would have been the movie. <laughs> you just wait there until shit passes. I'll just wait till morning. Be like, damn. Sound like Drew's struggling out there. <laughs> <laughs> you wake up, you're like, oh, it's 645. He's still alive. Good for him. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Where was I? Yeah. Like I said, there's some really creepy images in the film. Uh, being lost in the desert sounds terrible. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen when I visit Josh. Hopefully he doesn't get me lost in the desert. And, uh, a dude, <laughs> and a dude with his cock out comes at me with an axe. Hopefully none of that happens. Um, yeah. Uh, the film leaves interpretations wide open, which I think in the long run should help with its longevity. It's almost like I watched the thing with uh, Quentin Tarantino recently, and he was asked about some of his movies, 
and he was like, I don't want to tell you everything. And like he was using, I forget what the one movie was, um, but then he was like, he also compared it back to Pulp Fiction, where he was like, what's in the suitcase? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I don't tell you what's in the suitcase. You make your own decision for it. I could talk to 30 different people and 30 different people could tell me a different thing that's in the suitcase and that's 30 different movies. And that's what makes my movies live on is because somebody can look at it and have an answer that makes complete sense as to what's in that suitcase. Somebody else can have another argument that is just as compelling as to yeah. what's in that suitcase and you can discuss it with your friends and you can keep talking about it and it becomes your movie because you decide what's in that suitcase. Whereas if I tell you what's in the suitcase, it's my movie and I'm telling you what happened and you just take it and you're like, okay. And then you leave it. Mm. Whereas he said, if I leave it open, that's your movie. You take it with you and you talk to people about it and you're like, well, this is what I think happened. Right. And that's what makes the movie live on, which with this movie, I think is yeah, maybe not the to the level of Pulp Fiction, but like, you get the point I'm making. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. so wide interpretation. Like, yeah. I just think the whole rest to me, mm. I just think it's all a fever dream after he got fucking bashed in the head. That's like, he's just yeah. seeing shit in the desert. I think it's like, and a, it's him dying. It's kind of like partial, partial reality, partial tripping, like kind of mixed. You don't know what's he's real. He's actively what is dying in the desert. Yeah, and and he's yeah exactly, and he's. Like I said, some it's it's like basically you're you're trying to figure out to me it's, it's what's real as, and what is it. It's, it's not as supernatural as the reality that Robbie's experiencing is not as supernatural as what's happening. Well, no, he's you, just got a fucked up concussion and he's right, fucking gushing you, blood and dying. And listen, though, you have to remember that the nine one one call that we hear in the beginning of the movie, we do not see happen when shit breaks out. All of a sudden, he's wounded. Robbie's wounded in the head, and then the person with the hatchet or the axe, whatever it is hatchet right that's an axe axe. um yeah the person with the axe starts you know hacking everybody up and it's like that you don't hear the 911 call therefore you know right away that everything that you're seeing is not as it seems you know there's pieces missing here obviously like when did the phone call get made where were they when they made the phone call like so that that comes up and then like you said he's dying and he has head damage it's like you're you're there's a lot of things that just it's like it's like basically a bunch of crazy shit happened and you're seeing it through the eyes of somebody who's like not mentally capable of like putting shit together. Classic unreliable Mary. Right. <laughs> Damn you, Robbie. <laughs> no, but um I'm I'm really impressed I with this movie. I give it a movie. 7.3 out of 10. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with this movie. It did it did it for me uh, personally. Um, like I said earlier, I'm not typically a, a fan of found footage movies, but this one actually, actually scared me. It's scary. Um, the sheer panic and dread that is displayed on screen really gave me like a, a claustrophobic feeling when I watched it. And the fact that you never fully understand what happens isn't important to me. I like that mystery and, you know, I want to know more and, uh, I'm not mad that I don't know more. Um, the Lovecraftian take on desert horror and found footage horror is a new one, and uh, it's it's definitely one of those movies that it's going to cross your mind the next time you're in the desert, or you know the same way you think of Jaws when you're in the ocean. Like you, when you go to in the desert with Josh, I guarantee you, you're going to think, "Oh, this is some outwater shit." You're going to see <laughs> yeah. something and say that. And, I guarantee uh, you, I send you some pictures. Be like, I'm in the, I'm in, I'm in that desert. It may Rob Rob Robbie cut his dick off. I was just going to say, yeah, just don't <laughs> cut your dick off, brother. But um, even that if sounds you, like a Josh thing. If, <laughs> <laughs> even if you don't like the outwaters um you'll think ooh, remember that tentacle thingy from the outwaters you know or you know like things like that in the back of your mind um 
And uh, you're sure as hell going to hope it doesn't storm when you're camping in the desert. That's for sure. Um, but uh, I, I can't say that it's the closest to death that I've ever felt through a movie. But I can say that it's one of the finest examples of like a nightmare on celluloid. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I, this movie is like a nightmare printed on film. Nightmares don't make sense. The roller coaster rides, just like the last hour hour of the Outwaters. For me, it's eight out of ten. Um, I love what Robbie did with the direction and the camera work and how the way the desert is like dark except for like the small little ray of light from his flashlight. It's uh, (laughs) extremely realistic. And uh, The Outwaters truly does come off like found footage. Um, But let me ask you, John, what do you think happened? Like, what's your theory? That's your theory you'd already told me, I guess, is that you think that uh, it's a fever dream? He got bopped in the head. He's fucking dying and just wandering in the fucking desert dying like you said i like, like that a- like actively dying because i mean I'm, I'm going way more into this probably than need but uh it, like dmt they talk mm-hmm. about when people have near-death experiences how they have these like crazy experiences because your body gets flushed yeah yeah DMT. yeah so i think it's just him dying and his body like he's just seeing crazy shit but yeah totally and i think the other ones just got fucking murked by axe man too <laughs> and he's just walking around with a fucking like gushing head wound and he's just dying and seeing fucking seeing umbilical cords in the desert <laughs> i'll see uh i almost try not not to have a theory because i like not knowing i do that with a lot of movies like people are always like what do you think that means and i'm like i don't even know if i want to know i like that it's open and i can just make it whatever but um that's part of the paranoia and claustrophobia for me and uh also you can't help but have thoughts like trying to connect the dots of the film though like even though i don't want to know they're still like hmm i wonder if this matches with this or if this is why you know and i saw that someone said that it's like event horizon but instead of space they find hell in the desert i don't know how far off that actually is i don't think it's accurate but i think it's a cool like it's a cool thought and i'd like to go with that i think uh i think robbie got trapped in hell in the desert Fair enough. Prove me wrong. Robbie, you have somebody. The quote, the quote Finn's fallen from uh, Couples Retreat. I know my truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to know for you listeners out there, though, for sure. Uh, if you've seen The Outwaters, please, you know, message us, comment. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think happened? Let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love talking about these movies. All right. Well, I think we've done enough talking about the movie plot and our feelings on it here. So uh, before we talk to Robbie, let's get into a quick uh, burn and learn. Oh. Burn and learn. All right. Burn and learn is the segment of our show where we fill you listeners in on some trivia about the movie we're discussing. Due to the fact that The Outwaters is new, there's not much to learn about it, but we did pluck a few interesting ones from IMDb here. I'll start. Many of the songs on the Outwater soundtrack predict the fate of the characters. I have not listened to the soundtrack, but I'm going to do that now. Uh, Lisa Barlow exists in the Outwaters universe as a family friend of Julian Jackson, who is featured in the prequel short Card Zero. All songs in the film are... How do you say that word? Diegetic? Diegetic? Uh, Though it is implied that the phenomena can imprint audio and images onto the footage. Uh, the first official teaser trailer premiered in over 800 theaters before Terrifier 2. Nice. Um, an in-world Tumblr blog called Alive in the Dark is run by a character from the world from the world of the movie. 
And uh, okay, now uh, we're going to get to Robbie Banfitch here and uh, take, a d- take an even deeper dive into the Outwaters and fill you in on some shit that you won't find on IMDb. With us today, we have the writer, producer, editor, star, and director of the terrifying experimental found footage movie, The Outwaters. Welcome, Robbie Banfitch. Thank you for being on High on Horror. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We're we're, we're very happy to have you on. Um, Oh, of course. And uh, that leads me to my first question for you. Do you indulge in cannabis for recreational or medicinal reasons at all? Not really. It makes me paranoid and um, feel my heartbeat, and then I think about mortality. So probably the opposite effect of you know than it should. Um, if I do smoke pot, like maybe like once or twice a year, and then I put on Mama Mia and watch Meryl Streep twirling her um, scarf on a cliffside. <laughs> yeah, I yeah there yeah there's been times i've been a little too high and i'm like oh man i have to i have to switch over to manual breathing as i say yeah i uh, i usually do it at night and then just go to sleep if i start feeling scared and uh have you always been a horror fan mm-hmm. mm. sorry yes i have always been a horror fan since i was little um jaws Candyman, the friday the 13th and um you know all that stuff All right, awesome. Well, uh, so that made me uh, want to ask my next question, which is, uh, what made you want to be involved in making movies as a career path? What made you say, hey, man, I want to use a fucking camera for a living? I have no idea. I've just loved movies since I can remember, and I've wanted to make them since I can remember. So I don't really know why, other than I loved them, and that's just what my instinct was. So I started picking up a camera when I was like 10-ish. Oh, wow. Since you were 10? <clears throat> yeah. Made a lot of movies when I was in like age 10 through all the way through college. So I was always making something. Like what? Like, like stop motion? Or like were you like doing stuff with toys when you were a kid and stuff? I had a couple stop motion animation movies. Well, like with my dinosaurs and stuff. But actually, no, I was like, there were a lot of Scream ripoffs. <clears throat> um, one was called The Druggie. Okay. And it was like, an, I, it was like, I know, I'm trying to remember the plot, but it was definitely chase scenes and a slasher. And um, I used to think that you could only do cocaine off of mirrors because in Friday the 13th <laughs> part eight, um, they do cocaine off of like a, a little like pocket mirror. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's how you do it. So like, I have this huge mirror that we're doing like huge lines of sugar off of in, in the druggy. <laughs> yeah that's uh, great you'll have to release those someday if you ever find them <laughs> put them on youtube they're all or on my vhs i have to get them transferred and i don't have any uh dough so uh, well, yeah, we, all, we all know how that goes <laughs> mm-hmm. um so what do you hope to get out of this career of filmmaking like what do you, what what is your what what is a bucket list thing that you're hoping that you're able to achieve and leave behind um i'm already doing what I mean, even if I didn't get this movie into theaters or anything, I still would be happy 
mm-hmm. at what I'm doing. Just I always I want to be making stuff and um, okay. things, <laughs> whether they wind, <laughs> wherever they wind up. I want them finished and available to people if they want to watch them. Um, bucket list. Um, I was gonna say getting killed by a shark in a movie, but I kind of made that dream come true for myself um, in a way at the end of this one. <laughs> If you recall. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I read that uh, you suggest that the young filmmakers to listen to commentaries and watch the making ofs because it teaches so much. Uh, what were some of the biggest lessons that you've learned learned from watching those? Hmm. Um. I well, from just the making of Open Water and having those filmmakers come to my college. And, and I think that has an audio commentary too, that I listen to, but I definitely the making of from them. I learned that they can make a huge, wind up, a movie that winds up playing all over the country. And they just basically like did it on whatever weekend they could and had to fly all the way to the islands for a couple days to like get stuff over the course of a long, I believe a long period of time. So that always stuck with me. Just like get it done however you can. Um, I also learned from that, that like they submitted to a bunch of film festivals and didn't get in like anywhere. And then I guess they used to submit on VHS and someone had not, uh, sorry, my neighbors are like going crazy. Um, someone had not, someone had not rewound, um, and started the movie in the middle where like the shark stuff was. And that person who was screening the film for the festival, like, was like oh my god and then rewound it and that's the first festival it got into it was like a hamptons film festival or something but people were getting turned off by the first part of the movie because it is unpolished and and you know it's all character stuff but i that stuck with me try to get the people actually watch your movie and how can you do that so for my movie i made sure the poster was good and eye-catching and the trailer was good and true to the movie though I don't, I don't like misleading trailers. So I always use quotes in context and I don't edit them. Um, and I make sure that quotes that I use are like true to the spirit of the review. So like, you know, learn that stuff from that. Yeah. I have to say the trailers like really after Drew, <clears throat> after Drew saw it, he sent me the trailer. It's one of the best trailers. Like it's come out in a while. I really like, I feel like it, excellent job like it just really just hooks you into that movie thank you i actually Agreed. literally a couple hours ago released the first and only trailer for the companion films so i just released that on um twitter and my youtube <clears throat> oh, nice. we'll definitely have to check those out after the interview yeah the they come out on Screenbox on the 24th and at unnamed footage festival in san francisco in a at the balboa theater on the 24th um and then but the trailer's on uh on on the outwaters twitter right now and uh i also read that you said you would love to collaborate with uh some of the different real housewives and paris hilden what what makes that like an appealing collaboration for you because it's not a typical answer you usually get from somebody well i love paris hilton ever since i mean i've always loved paris hilton because of simple life i actually think she's like funny in a in a in a knowing way not like laughing at her i think her and nicole richie are hilarious people that's the gay in me and then um the housewives (laughs) i 
I'm not a big reality TV person. However, I do believe that Bravo does a really good job of like actually doing it well and getting real shit and not not as much forced stuff. And I just happened to fall into a housewife's hole during the pandemic and got real invested in several of the cities. And so you watch people through years of their lives and then you start to like a lot of them. And I just, I really like a lot of them. I want to like hang out and make movies. So like Kyle Richards, obviously she's in Halloween, Halloween kills, Halloween ends You're, You yeah. know, she's on um, real housewife of Beverly Hills. So her, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so actually, I want to go back a second though. You were just talking about um, Card Zero and File VL six two four. What can you tell us about those? Like, I, I know they're not out yet, but like, are you trying to? Um, is this like, are you doing an ongoing uh, thing with the Outwaters where like you're going to find more tapes and it's like showing more of what went down? I don't know, but that's what these are. So <laughs> there's the movie, <laughs> which was always made to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a couple ideas that I wanted to explore kind of like after I made the movie. Uh, but so card zero is a prequel memory card and it's the last memory card that my character used before I switched memory cards to the one that winds up in the desert. Um, so that's a prequel okay. it's like 35 minutes and it shows kind of, it gives a lot more context to some of the characters. Um, it's a lot more straightforward and has a little arc. Um, so that one's good for people who, you know, enjoy the movie. want a little bit more context into who some of these people are. Um, it's okay. pretty gay, pretty gay, lots of pretty rainbowy. Uh, and then file VL six, two, four is, um, it's an epilogue and it's comprised of the ideas that there was all this footage that was so corrupted that it, they didn't even realize it was there or they couldn't see it. So that they, the Mojave County police department hire, I don't know what that was, hire someone <laughs> to um, try to restore the footage. And it's, it's uh, basically a collection of restored footage from all four memory cards, including card zero. And that one's oh, pretty um, fucked up, but it also should answer some things, but raise new questions. So, yeah, but they're oh, each wow. their own thing. Wait. Very much all in the same. It's the same universe. Um, there may be a little nugget coming after that at some point. But that's. I'm not planning on like continuing to keep doing these. It was all basically. I had all these ideas right around at finishing Outwaters and wanted to basically make them for the Blu-ray and for people who were interested in learning more. It was fun. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to them. I'm I'm definitely interested in checking them out. I want to know more. Um, I definitely want to know more. Yeah, we will. Uh, uh, So let's go back to the basics, though. How did the idea for the Outwaters come about? Uh, I always wanted to make a found footage movie. I also have no money, so that lined up. And then um, the my favorite one of my favorite words, if not my favorite word, is Outland. Outlands, just like. Mm. the way it what it means and i think it's like a mysterious word and uh i just for whatever reason thought outwaters would be a good word but it's not but i thought it would be at least i don't believe it is <laughs> anyway so um i once i was like oh that'd be a cool word i was like that'd be a great film title 
And then actually like the first ideas and images came from thinking about what the word outwaters could mean. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just was thinking about it for a long time and get, it was getting clearer and clearer. And then I uh, started making it with my friend. <laughs> well, uh, when you were writing it, did you have any personal, uh, like once you understood what it was going to be and started writing it, did you have any personal like ritual that you would get into, like or a headspace that you needed to get into to write? No, just I'm a big procrastinator. So I just had to like force myself. Um, <laughs> but no, I didn't really get into it. It's more like I'm more right. I'm constantly thinking about movie the movie or whatever movie i'm working on or thinking about it's like all day i get ideas so i kind of write all day but sitting down to put it on paper it's like i you know make some coffee put on some classical music pull the ashtray over so yeah okay i don't know if that answered well, um <laughs> yeah that's fine you answered um out of all the roles that you had in this movie what was your favorite one out of all the roles you played rather uh not in acting i mean in everything that you've done like behind the scenes as well I i'm betting your favorite thing that you did was editing am i wrong no i love editing that's why i've that's why a trailer exists as of today for these two short companion pieces there's there's never I was never meant to make one, but I woke up this morning and just like had an I idea and wanted to just wanted to make a trailer. And so it exists now. That's awesome. <laughs> From conception to publishing in five minutes, five hours, five hours. Damn. That's pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I would say one of the surprising things doing the podcast is we've learned how much people really do enjoy the editing process. Um, now, with all the roles you had to play in the film, uh, how were you able to kind of balance everything? I don't know. It's just how I've always done it. And this was no different than any other movie I made with my friends. So I don't know. Just do what I just do whatever needs to be done, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> so just do it. <laughs> Lists and check them off and do it. The thing that's different about this, though, is I actually finished it. Like, finished it as in my plan was to make this my first like movie to get out in the world. Um, whereas all the other stuff I was more making it to keep making stuff and get better. And I didn't feel the need or desire to submit anything anywhere. So this was the first thing I really submitted to film festivals ever, except for one short film I made in college. I submitted to like one rinky dink New York film festival that I can't remember the name of, but they didn't want it their loss it was pretty good uh and in the film uh you have very bright scenes and then scenes with almost total darkness uh did you find the technical aspects of those shots kind of difficult to pull off uh not usually i knew what i was working with for the dark stuff i mean as soon as i turned the flashlight on in the desert i was like all right well this is what it looks like so <laughs> yes it's realistic and then and then you know um just figured out each shot shot from from there uh i'm trying to think of something that was like diff some of the just figuring out how to do certain scenes obviously like and get also figuring out how to not i just you know one thing that drives me a little crazy in found footage films is 
when the, there's like these camera movements that don't feel organic to what's happening to the character holding the camera, like, Oh, and we're going to yeah. pan, but it, but it, but it doesn't, but they're, so with this, there were times when I wanted to do things, but I was like, I just, that's not realistic. <laughs> um, and I had to, you know, that those, those were interesting to, to figure out. Um, and also typically I compose shots a lot more carefully and I wanted to, I had to make what I was doing a little shittier than I normally would. Or, and obviously it's like a totally different thing than making a normal classically composed shot type of movie. So those things were all interesting and fun to figure out, but difficult, just probably some logistical shit with like wind and sand blowing in my face. Like you know that you see dust storms in the movie because they're they were there <laughs> yeah that's, that's a lot of stuff like, so some people complain about like dirt on the lens and it like comes and goes but like that's basically like what happens you know get some sand blown at you turn the camera off clean off the lens and the sand comes back and then so i just kind of left it all in there that's so something i get I you said- there, there's you were going a, for like realism. Yeah, there's a found footage movie called Willow Creek that Bobcat Goldthwait mm-hmm. did, and um, there's this shot where there's like a little moth that flies through the, or a, a mosquito or a moth something like that flies through, and initially he was like, oh shit, we're gonna have to redo it because then he's like, oh wait, no, like <laughs> that's what happened, and it's found footage. It's okay that it's not perfect, so. Um, I always remember that little piece of lesson specifically for found footage movies. Well, uh, with this movie being, I guess, you know, what, what's being called experimental, how did you pitch the film to like, you know, your friends and the actors and your in the studios? Like how, what did you, how did you tell them what it was going to be about with it being such an ambiguous film? Um, I didn't tell them too much about the back half. I just said, <laughs> <clears throat> I believe my pitch to my friends was, I want it's Blair Witch style in terms of found footage. And the pitch was, I I just really wanted to capture actual slice of life. Mundaity almost. And, and that really what we would be doing is within some parameters and with some backstory in mind, doing our scenes and hanging out and really taking the road trip. And then once we got out into the desert, a lot of bad, crazy stuff would happen. It would involve a lot of fake blood and, a lot of um, camping and screaming and stuff. Um, but I did, I kept the details of specifically like what was happening pretty vague. Um, I wanted them to, you know, I mean, they're already friends, so they weren't that on edge, but like, I wanted them to be like a little bit, what are we doing <laughs> once we got there? Yeah, totally. Totally. They did think I well, was like, <clears throat> they thought I hired people to like come fuck with us, but I didn't, didn't have any money for that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well even though uh i don't understand the outwaters i have my theories but regardless the difference between this movie and other movies that i don't understand is that this movie actually fucking scared me instead of annoyed me and to me it's like the part where robbie where you know you are covered in blood and those tentacle slash umbilical cord things are like wrapping around his arms and he's like like whimpering and it's like it's all wrapping around him and it's dark i mean that scene is just like you know total fear and despair to me and uh, that scene to me is like a nightmare on film 
because you just you don't know what's going on but yet you see this guy in total despair and there's these creatures how did you keep the balance of like being ambiguous but giving enough to satisfy viewers and not leaving them totally empty-handed which a lot of found footage movies do well spoiler a lot of um the audience is not satisfied but for the people that are (laughs) it was definitely something that i thought about and i i yeah i i am not a fan in this this movie the idea was always to try to keep it as much like hey if you find this footage if you find these memory cards there's gonna be a lot missing there might be some files corrupted there might be something wrong with how it's put back together. There might be all these things. And you're not going to catch all the important conversations. Although I put many important conversations in subtly, but I would cut them off. And just I just wanted it to be, you know, the way it might be if you find something like that. And if you're the cops looking at this or trying to figure out what the fuck it is, you'd probably be like, scratching your head too (laughs) you know what i mean so i just wanted it to be like that and i figured um i don't know it was a lot of editing and playing with it until it felt right to me but it's pretty much instinctual Uh, there's intellectual ideas that i would have like in my brain i'd have an idea of like how to do something but then might not work so it just just instinct and i know i knew it's right when it felt right multiple times and i would leave it and then come back and it still felt right then then i left it in so okay. I don't know. Okay. Just playing around until it felt right. Well, it worked. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, uh, now that you took the found footage genre and I escalated it, so to speak, by doing something new, um, everyone keeps comparing it to the Blair Witch Project. Does that bother you being compared to that because you were trying to do something like your own thing? Or is that gratifying being held in the same regard? Oh, no. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And the thing that I did want to capture that Blair Witch does perfectly is authenticity in the first half, like in terms of the characters just seeming real and like real people. Um, so that's very much like what I use as my touchstone, as they say. Okay. So, so no, I mean, I'm, I mean, when people say that, I, I, it makes me happy. I mean, I love that movie. Now, obviously, like, I don't know how they, the filmmakers of Blair Witch Project feel about it, but (laughs) I like it. And I, it's an honor for whoever thinks that it's like that to be mentioned alongside that movie. Though I do think Blair Witch Project is the best found footage movie ever and always will be. Yeah. I think, I think the realism is one one of the definite bright spots of the film, but they do, they do really just feel like real, real people. There's a lot of depth to the characters. Um, I wanted to ask what you thought was the hardest shot for you to pull off in the film. I might need to take a moment to think about that. No problem. (laughs) Um, hmm. There were plenty. Probably... I mean, I'll just, the one that's coming to my head, even though it wasn't like difficult to, to get the shot was just, there's a scene where I come upon myself covered in blood, naked, holding something. And, um, it was just very cold and I was very naked and, and covered in wet 
liquid wet liquid is probably like a double <laughs> well, I, I was just very cold and it was very difficult to like you know not just quit like and say fuck this shot you know what i mean um yeah. but technical stuff i guess anything where there's wind too much i mean there's definitely a lot of wind left in the movie intentionally annoying like the camera because um i didn't want to take a lot of that out because it's just made it feel more raw and ugly but there were some times where you literally just be it was so many you just have to wait until the wind dies down which you have no control over so that was kind of difficult just the waiting yeah what well, was the desert uh what was it a big challenge I, I know i know you had you said wind was a problem was there anything else with the desert that caused any problems with the shoot no just um well there was we were swarmed by bees but that was just one day and we uh, went to a we just abandoned the desert uh <laughs> until it got dark and then we came back um that and also like you know it was a little scary at night if the nights that we were camping a little creepy just to be there totally prone so yeah, bees is not one I would have expected as an answer for a problem in the desert. That, that one Agreed. was pretty surprising. Well, the scene where me and Andrew swarmed by bees, uh, that was uh, happening. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, we want to thank you again for uh, joining us today to talk about the Outwaters. And uh, besides uh, Card Zero and File uh, VL624, do you have any other projects coming up? Yeah, a new feature called Tinsman Road that's premiering at the same festival the shorts will be at next week, the Unnamed Footage Festival in San Francisco. I don't know when this is airing, but the Unnamed Footage Festival in San Francisco on um, uh, March 24th. So um, shifting my focus from the Outwaters world to Tinsman Road and working on getting that distribution and all that good stuff. All right, we can't wait yeah. to see it. Thanks. I'll, I'll release a teaser trailer probably. Like a very teasery teaser, like a really teasery teaser, like not <laughs> giving you anything, but like maybe what it might look like. Just yeah. give us the logo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where online can, can people keep up with your projects? Um, for any Outwater stuff or just the Outwater's account tweet tweets about all kinds of horror movies, and I want to support small horror movies that I like and, and big ones that I like and just keep it going in terms of horror account stuff. Um, so that one for that. And then my Twitter is just at Robbie Banfitch. Um, and I'll always keep people up to date through that on film projects or music projects or writing or anything they wind up doing. Awesome. But the Outwaters will keep everybody up on my film stuff too, as long as it's horror awesome and uh yeah again we want to thank you for joining us um if you haven't seen the outwaters make sure to check it out on Screenbox. and uh yeah thanks again for joining us yeah thank, thank you. you robbie uh, all right as of this episode being released the outwaters prequel short card zero and the sequel short file VL624 are now available to stream on Screenbox with the movie 
I watch them and I have to say that truthfully speaking, they're not necessary. Um, these are for the hardcore fans of movies that want to dig a little deeper than the common movie watcher, you know, and get to know the characters more. You're not, trust me when I say you're not in the dark and missing vital information that helps explain the events in the Outwaters by missing out on these. In fact, uh, what footage you do see really just leaves you with more questions, but I will say that they're well shot. Well, that was true. I mean, Robbie did tell us we get some more stuff, but then we just have more questions. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so what you mean is they're just not necessary to experience. Uh, yeah. Why couldn't I think of the Outwaters? I just completely blanked on the <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're not going to um, walk away going, oh, that explains like, what happened um, here. companion material. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's more like Blu-ray bonus feature stuff, truthfully. So, uh, I mean, if you want to check them out, check them out. If, yeah. Uh, so, uh, thank you to Robbie Banfitch for uh, joining us today. And thank you to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for joining us as well. Make sure to follow us online at High on Horror 420 at TikTok, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, next week we will have Renfield for you. I can't wait to watch this movie, man. man. I just I feel like it's pulling teeth making you go with me, but we're going. It, oh, it is. I've, <laughs> I've made it clear I don't think it's going to be a good movie. When I heard that they were making a Renfield movie, I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I saw the trailer and I'm like, fuck no, this is not what I had in mind. I bet you like you like it more than Scream 6. Is that saying a whole lot? I probably like it better than Halloween Ends, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll stop here before I shit on that movie some more. Fuck you, David Gordon Green, for letting him go. <laughs> Damn you for letting him go. Uh, yeah, so uh, that'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week.